Praise God. Hallelujah. Look at these wonderful folks here at Christian Embassy on this Wednesday evening. May the Lord bless you mightily. May He just do great things for you coming out here on this Wednesday night. If you would, get on that phone or that tablet. Go ahead and check in so others can see that you are here and maybe they'll tune in and join us uh, on our Facebook Live audience. We welcome our Facebook uh, Live audience. Everybody, come on, let's welcome them. As uh, We've had folks saying, when are you coming on? 7.30. Wow, Pastor Rudika had it right on the mark. She told them tune in at 7.30 and it would be on, so that's good. And uh, we are excited to know that no matter what the devil ever throws against us, he can't win. He cannot win. Whether it's a physical storm or a storm in life, a storm in your marriage, a storm in your finances, a storm in your health, the devil won't stop trying. You can see that. That's evident right now with Florence out there on the, uh, coming in on the East Coast here. We, you, the devil doesn't stop. And it's not just us here. Look all around the world and you'll see there's storms and there's fires and there's all kinds of uh, disaster around. And, and, and everybody's important to God, so the devil's trying to destroy us all. He is trying to destroy us all, but I'm telling you, I believe after tonight, I pray that after tonight, and I pray that churches around the nations of the world would preach this message and we Christians would wake up and we would rise up and we would be who God's created us to be. We are to be the calming agent. We are to be the agents of peace. We are to be the agents of heaven. We are ambassadors here. And He has given us purpose. He has given us power. And He has given us destiny. We've got to step into that. We've got to be who God's called us to be. It's not about us getting a goosebump. It's about us running off mountains that are trying to hinder the work of God. Do you see what I'm saying? We need to rise up and be who God has called us to be. And I, I pray that God's Spirit, I know He's speaking to all these teachers and all these pastors and all these preachers, and He's trying to get this word out. And there's no better time than when there's an impending storm or impending challenge that is coming against us. And even though it may have turned a little south, it looks like it's sparing us the, the, the brunt of things. But there are people in North Carolina and there are people in South Carolina that they, God loves just as much. They're a part of the body of Christ. And you and I have a responsibility over them as well. And we need to, we need to wives up and we need to wake up and we need to be who God has called us to be. So I'm going to deal with uh, five reasons. There's probably more, but we're going to look at five reasons believers are not walking in the power and the authority that we have in Christ Jesus. He has given us power and authority to exercise, not in heaven... Not in heaven. We don't go, he's not waiting to, we all die to go to heaven and we can go in there and rearrange heaven. Say, God, we don't like the way you've decorated heaven. God, we don't like the way the government is functioning here in heaven. No, I'm telling you, heaven's perfect. God's heaven's perfect. Now, there's a heavenly realm where Satan and these demonic realm are that we, that needs some, that needs some uh, structure, that needs some discipline, that needs to hear no when they're trying to bring on their destruction and all of that that affects us here on this earth. So let's look at 
Five reasons believers don't walk in the power and the authority we have. And what I believe we're going to do is we're just going to stop at each one and deal with it right there. We're going to, by the end of it, when we get to the end of it, we're going to be ready to rise up and exercise our authority and our power. And we're going to do that at a closing prayer as we are going to lock arms and lock our faith together. And we're going to speak. We're going to, we're going to speak hard words. We're going to speak sharp words to the, these winds and waves that are coming uh, towards our shore. And uh, let's exercise the authority God has given us. But I believe understanding the reasons why we may not operate in that authority, dealing with those will help us close out and be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ here tonight. That we might be the very ones that stand between life and death of families and life and death of, 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 of people and, and communities all around us in the south here because they say this is unlike anything that's come. They're going back to uh, even saying maybe it's going to be even worse than Hazel, which was, I think, in the 50s, and there was so much death and loss in that. So um, we, we're not just going to let this thing have its way. It, it's not going to just do what it wants to do. And I pray before we leave here tonight, you'll see that from the Scripture and that you'll have faith to stand with us and let's exercise our authority and our power. So let's look at these five reasons believers uh, don't walk in the power and the authority. And the first and the, the biggest one of all is sin. Sin, I'm telling you what, uh, when we are in a life of habitual sin, we're yielding to Satan's authority. We're yielding to him. We're giving him place in us. Now, I know that you grew up Baptist probably like I did or Catholic. You know, we sin every day, word, thought, and deed. That's just part of life. But let me tell you what. God has a sanctifying power that he will give you the ability. He redeemed you from the curse. And part of the curse was your willpower was taken. And let me tell you what. That willpower has been redeemed. You can say yes to God and no to the devil by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are not a puppet and the devil just does anything he wants to do and makes you do anything he wants to do. Stop blaming the devil. You and I have the Holy Spirit of God's ability to that, so God supernaturally has given us the ability to say no to the devil and yes to the Lord. Hallelujah. But when we fail to deal with habitual sins in our life, let me tell you what, we open the door and it's like we give legal rights over unto the devil. But the good news is God has, even through His grace, given us this ability to do something to kick the devil out and close the door and sever his authority, and that is repent. Repent. That's why Jesus said in John 14 and 30, He said, the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing on me. Now, if the devil don't have anything on you, if there's nothing in you, he can't bring anything on you. So we've got to see the seriousness of sin, habitual sin. Just saying, you know, I'm a Christian, but the Lord's a God of grace and He's a God of mercy and, and I can just keep doing this. I know it breaks His heart. I know it violates the Scripture, but it's not easy to stop, so I'm just going to keep doing it. Let me tell you what. 
You can do that, and some people will say, well, are you, you, you're still saved, right? I'm not going to argue whether you're saved or not. That's between you and the Lord. But I will tell you, if you are still saved, you've got an open door where the enemy has come in and you've given your authority over to him. And then when you rise up in a time of crisis or you rise up in a time of need and you're ready to rebuke the devil, he laughs at you. He says, we've been partying together. We've been having, we've been having breaking bread together. What do you mean you're going to rebuke me? I've got all of my hitmen right in here with the door wide open through your sin that you've just been eating like candy and not even, not even caring about it. Let me tell you why. God to God, sin is still important. Some people said that went away in the 1800s or that went away in the 1900s. I'm telling you, in the 21st century, God has not changed his word and sin is still a big deal with God. So we cannot allow him to have the enemy to have authority or take our authority away because we just going to give up and say we're just yielding over to habitual sin. Jesus was without sin, so the devil had no foothold in his life. And if the devil has a foothold in your life tonight, the good news is, 1 John 1 and 9, you see it right here, if we confess our sin, our God is faithful. Did you know that? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, not because of the merit of how good you are, but because of the merit of what Jesus has done for you. That's where the justice, he's just, that justice was met on the cross when Jesus went there sinless for you and for me. And if you and I will confess our sins to the Lord, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we are walking in righteousness, this righteousness that Christ has provided for us, we can exercise the authority and the power God has given us and there will be no condemnation, there will be no uh, sense of uh, timidity in our lives. You'll be bold as a lion. Your sin robs you of your boldness. And it's time the church come face to face and say, wait a minute, sin is still a big deal. Sin takes us, our authority away. It takes our power away. Sin will let us play church, but not be the church. Sin will let us go around with a mask on and say, look how good Christian we are and look how powerful we are, but we can't get a, a, a little cold or kicked out of our body or we can't get a little ache in our knee kicked out of our body. It's like the devil can do with us whatever he wants. No! No, no, that's not the plan of God. That is not the plan. I don't care how fancy it may sound the other way or how easy it may sound the other way, but there's going to come a time where a storm is going to be big enough and bad enough and threatening enough that is going to come against you and I pray it'll wake you up and say, wait a minute, I don't want to be powerless. I don't want to be without authority. I don't want to be in name only. I want to be able to rise up in the name of Jesus and command a mountain to be removed or command the winds to come and they listen to the authority of this child of God. We've got to deal with sin. Hallelujah. Peace arise. Peace will arise in our life when we confess our sin to the Lord. When's the last time you've confessed your sin to the Lord? One, when you confess it to the Lord, you're humbling yourself and admitting that I've been doing this. You're not pretending nothing ever happened. You need to deal with it. James 5.26 declares that the effective fervent prayer, the effective fervent prayer of a what? A righteous man avails much. 
What did he say in 1 John 1, 9? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. So the repentance gets the unright deals with the unrighteousness. So that now we have the righteousness of Christ and now our prayers are effective. That means they work. They work. How many times you prayed and felt like it hit the ceiling and went nowhere? That prayer didn't go anywhere. That prayer didn't work. I prayed for that and got just the opposite. Let me tell you what, your prayers are supposed to work. They're supposed to be effective and they're supposed to be fervent. Let me tell you what, a lot of times we pray such uh, little puny prayers. I call them, you know, powder-coated pink prayers. You know, they're just so, they're just so pastel. There's the, I said we need some bold color in our prayers. We need to be bold, fervent, on fire. We know what we're praying. We know that, that the enemy has to listen. There's no doubt about it. We're in covenant with God. This is part of our covenant power and our covenant privilege. Oh, when you learn to pray like that and you begin to see your prayers are effective, let me tell you what, you're going to pray more. Pastor will have to tell you to pray, beg you to pray, trick you into praying. You'll be rising up and saying, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in Him. And if there's a devil in this house, if there's a devil in this neighborhood, if there's a devil on my way to work, if there's a devil at work, I'm not going to whine and complain about it, but I'm going to take hold, cast them out in the name of Jesus. I'm going to bind any strong man that I come in uh, contact with, and the work of the devil's going to cease, and the work of the Lord is going to be released, uh, and the power of God is going to be demonstrated and the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the water covered the sea. I'm going to take care of my riverbed. You are supposed to be unleashing the glory of God. The supernatural miracle manifest of heaven on earth is supposed to be flowing through you in your sector so that God's glory is covering your sector so that the glory of the Lord can cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. You got to deal with the sin. You've got to deal with this sin. Here in James 5 and 16, he says the authority comes with the righteous. The, the effective prayers come to the righteous. Now, if you think you can go out there and be good enough to be righteous, it can't happen. There's righteousness provided to you through Christ Jesus. But let me tell you what, if you have unrighteousness in you because you've opened the door through sin, habitual sin that you know is violating God, and you've got the devil in here, Jesus said this lukewarm stuff don't work. You just as well give yourself over all the way to the devil so that you can get rock bottom faster and jump back up and realize you need to come to the Father's house or you need to get on fire because when you're lukewarm, it does nothing but make the body sick. So we see that this authority is given to the righteous, but you've got to be under authority before you can exercise authority. And when you're living in sin, habitual sin, and you're just like, well, the Lord, he, he's got bigger things to deal with. He didn't care about this. This feels good. This tastes good or whatever it is. You just keep doing it when you know it's wrong. Let me tell you what. You, you're saying, I'm giving the authority to the enemy because that's what sin does. So you're not under God's authority, so you can't exercise that authority. You can stand up and mimic it, but nothing happens. <clears throat> Who wants to live like that? And then we blame the church. Well, the church in the 21st century is powerless. It's dead. I'd be better off just to have church at my house. So you're going to go change the whole plan of God because of your rebellion? And the enemy just tricks us and we, he makes us think that it's okay. Man, I want to... I tell you what, when you live with the authority of God and the power of God flowing through your life, there's no better way to live. 
And when the devil tries to entice you with things that, that would uh, break the heart of God, you say, are you crazy? You're like, it's not a hard choice. It's not a hard choice. Are you crazy? But when you have no real experience with God and you have never experienced the authority and the power of God, you're thinking, oh, that's just play. That's just uh, theater. That's just Broadway. But the real life is out here and I got some needs and I got some wants and I've got some, you know, desires that may not line up with the word of God. But he understands there's worse people. There's serial killers out there. You can always find somebody worse. But to God, sin is sin. Did you know that? To God, sin is sin. So one of the first things that robs us of our authority is sin. And God says the only way you can deal with sin, the only way, you can't cover it up, you can't, you can't rename it, you can't go out here and get a crowd large enough to make it look like it's okay because they, they're in it too. Everybody else is doing it. He said the only way to deal with it is to confess your sins to me. And I'm faithful and just, and I will balance the justice scales with what Christ has provided for you, and I will cleanse you, I will forgive you, I will cleanse you of unrighteousness. We'll get the devil and that authority you've given him kicked out of your life so now you can rise up and exercise your authority. So what I want us to do is I want us to deal with each of these as we go through it. So let's deal with sin right now. And you can turn and kneel at your seat. You can stand up and come kneel at this altar. It's up to you. We're not trying to in any way set a, a mood to make you feel moved in one way. You just got to come to the decision. Am I going to keep letting this sin or these sins that I keep going back to, giving the devil access into my life? I want to stand up tonight and I want to exercise my authority and power. And I want to uh, speak uh, sh sharp words against this Hurricane Florence. And I want to call, calm those winds and calm those waves like Jesus taught me to do. But I know I can't do it with this in my life. So let's deal with it right now. So you can just find a place. You can just sit there. You can do whatever you want. Kneel at your seat. Kneel at this all. Just whatever. You just need to repent. You need to repent. Lord, we just take this time. Lord, we're not, we're not into playing church. Lord, we want to be the church. And we know that we give authority. Your authority, we give it away as we yield to the authority of the enemy. When we just keep on keeping on doing these things that break your heart. God, forgive us. Forgive us. Just confess it to the Lord tonight. Say, God, you know. I don't even have to tell you the details. You know them, Lord. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Lord. I don't want to live like this. I want to be who you created me to be. And I want to rise up in your authority and in your power that is paved by your righteousness. So, Lord God, I confess my sin to you. Lord, forgive me. Lord, cleanse me. And Lord, take out all of that unrighteousness that renders me powerless. Lord, just take it out. Lord, I commit myself to you tonight, Lord, that I'm going to say no to that or those things or whatever it is. Lord, I'm just saying no. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be known as the person that is doing this or that or indulges in this or that. No, Lord. I want to be known as a son or a daughter of the most high God, that I find my pleasure in doing your goodwill, that I find my pleasure in, in honoring you. 
that I believe in you more than I believe in the things that I can see, feel, and touch and taste around me. And I'm going to exercise my faith in you to say it's more important that I do it your way than to ignore you. So right now, in this sobering moment, Lord, I repent. And I confess, I confess, Lord, my brokenness, my weaknesses. I confess those things I keep running back to. Lord, I know they're not pleasing to you. And I turn, I repent, I turn, I change my mind. I change the way I'm walking. I change the way I'm talking. I change the way I'm living. I am not going to walk that path of unrighteousness. I'm not walking that way. But I turn to walk in your path of righteousness for your name's sake. So, Lord God, I'm dealing with this sin now. Lord, place it under the blood of Jesus. Cleanse it white as snow. Remove it from me, Lord God, as far as the east is from the west. Lord God, take it from me, Lord. And I want to thank you. Just tell him, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for making a way through confession and repentance that our sins can be removed, that my sins can be cleansed and the unrighteousness cleansed out of my life that I might say now, not because of my merit, but because of Christ's merit, I am now righteous. Go ahead and just say, thank you, Lord. I thank you that you've made me the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. Tell him again, God, I thank you. Because the devil's going to tell you nothing's changed, but the devil's a liar. That's all he can do. So you've got to choose whether you're going to listen to him or listen to God. God says, if you confess and you repent, he, through his justice system, he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness and forgive you of your sins. So that means your sins are forgiven right now, and you've been cleansed from all, all unrighteousness. So that means right now, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I don't know about you, but I just want to thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you've made me the righteousness of you in Christ Jesus. The righteousness you demand, I have right now as I place my faith in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. Isn't it great? Isn't that great? So let's move on. Another reason we have that people are not walking in their authority and their power is ignorance. Ignorance. Let me tell you, some preachers and teachers aren't preaching and teaching what you're hearing here tonight. In Hosea 4 and 6, God declares, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They think everything's fine. And they just got a bag over their head, but the devil is beating them up. The devil is stealing from them. The devil is putting sickness and disease. The devil is bringing storms and destroying everything they've worked to build up. And the devil just laughing, laughing. But let me tell you what, here at Christian Embassy, we're not going to live in ignorance. We're not going to live in ignorance. It may take a little work to study and show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the Word of God, but we're going we're to do the work. We're going to roll up our sleeves and do the work. Amen? Amen. I got seven. How about 70? How about 700? Amen. Do I get some amens from Facebook? Come on now. Praise God. The Lord showed me that his people are being destroyed because of their ignorance of the authority that they have in Christ. They have this authority available to them, but they're ignorant of it. They don't know how to use it. And the Bible makes it clear that we are not powerless against the enemy. You just go to some scriptures like 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5 through 5. Look at there. It says, though we walk in the flesh. Go ahead and just clap your hands real quick. Make a sound with your flesh. This is your flesh right here. Okay. So he's not talking about some spirit of flesh. He's talking about this body we're in, this flesh. For though we walk in this flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. 
for the weapons of our warfare. He is telling, teaching us that you have weapons been made available to you. Weapons. I was looking at some of World War II uh, historical documents and I see where France had one of their, their uh, military leaders saying, we need planes, we need to build planes, we need to build tanks, we need these weapons because of what Hitler is doing. We, we, you don't understand. And none of them said, no, we're not investing the money in that. We're not going to do that. We're just going to go ahead and dig in the front line here and we're just going to uh, keep them from advancing and coming in uh, here. Well, what Hitler did is he looked and he said, well, here's where your, in, your line ends and here's Belgium. I'll just go take Belgium and come in around there. You have no defense. And when they did that, they had no weapons to fight him with. Nothing at the, to combat his tanks and to combat his air force that was coming in. And as you know, France went down. Um, this mighty country went down because they didn't have the weapons. But I'm here to tell you, God, we're, not, we're not trying to go to the budget committee and trying to get weapons. God has already provided them for you. Hallelujah. They are weapons of our warfare. They are not carnal, <clears throat> but God has provided them. You've got to know that, that what we're fighting against this hurricane with and what we're fighting against disease with and what we're fighting against poverty with and what we're fighting against uh, anything the enemy's doing to try and bring destruction against us we have the weapons already the weapons are not carnal but they're mighty through God to do what to pull down the strongholds to pull down the strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. If it is thought and a plan of destruction, you can bring that strategy to the obedience of Jesus Christ. You and I have these weapons made available to us. Hallelujah. We don't have to wait for Congress to pass the budget to give us money to build them, to have factories build them. No, that Jesus has provided them. The Holy Ghost has provided them. Our Heavenly Father has provided them. They are mighty through God and they'll pull down every opposing force that will ever come against us. See, it's too many people, they just see the cosmic struggle through the lens of what I call the Asian philosophy of yin and yang which contends that there's a good and an evil forces and they're opposite of each other, but they're equal in power and they're equal in authority. But that is not true. In reality, Satan is a loser. I thought somebody would be a little more excited about that. Satan is a loser. He is the created one. He's one of God's fallen angels. He's not equal with God. Come on now. There's not even a, close, a closeness to it. We need to understand whose side we are on. We need to understand if the devil comes against us with authority and power and we come against him with the authority and power of God, uh, here's this little old wimp that's a loser and here we are with a mighty host of heaven with us. We've got to know who we are. We as believers must walk in God's authority. Hallelujah. God is the uncreated creator of the world uh, who always has been and always will be. He's self-existent. And let me tell you what, he is our God. So this puts Satan like a toothless lion. It's not that Satan doesn't have some, some power. He does. I, I will contend to that. But when we compare his power... To God's power, there's no comparison. See, when David confronted Goliath, Goliath compared his physical prowess with David's. 
And Goliath was insulted that they would send this little shepherd boy against him. However, David didn't compare himself with Goliath. He compared Goliath with God. So he's going into this thing looking as we as Christians should go looking. It's not how little we are and how big the devil is. It's how little the devil is and how big our God is. And I want us to compare this hurricane to God. When you look at this little 300 mile of spinning wind to the creator of the heavens and the earth, let me tell you what, it is nothing but a sneeze or smaller than that. We've got to see from God's perspective and we'll know who's going to win. And that will show us the faith that we will have. See, God was so much greater than Goliath that the match was over before it had a chance to even begin. I don't know if you read the story lately in 1 Samuel 17, but here, he, the Bible says that here's this nine-foot uh, uh, trained in warfare, the leading covenant representative for a whole nation, the Philistines, and, he, and he's so important, and he's got so much weapons that he has a shield-bearer there on the battlefield with him. Now, as a covenant representative, the shield-bearer could not fight in the fight. A covenant representative meant one person represented that nation and somebody else had to represent Israel, that nation, and whatever the outcome of the battle, the victory went to the nation that's covenant representative won and all of the spoil, everything went to them. So there's a shield bearer out there and I don't know how big at nine feet, he's probably got a shield, uh, kind of like an armored tank going in front of Goliath. So Goliath is probably pretty much covered from his chin down by his shield bearer. And then the Bible says he has a sword, he has a spear, and he has a javelin. Wow. I don't know if the shield bearer had carrying any of that extra in case he broke one or lost the other or dropped one, he would hand him the other. But here he comes, mightily fortified. And David said, here you come against me. You've got a shield bearer here. You've got a sword. You've got a spear. You've got a javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. And sometimes we don't understand that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We think we've got to have enough money. We think we've got to have enough whatever it is to combat whatever it is coming against us. And then when we have a face like a face off with something like a hurricane, then we're like, oh my goodness, I, I really can't get what what do I even get? We don't even realize. Wait a minute, we've been fighting with sticks and stones here uh, with with the devil, and that's not how we were taught to fight. We were taught to fight coming against the devil in the name of the Lord God Almighty. That his name is powerful. And he just needs somebody with faith that will speak it and stand up for it here on this earth. Way too many of us tend to be ignorant about the source of evil. Satan, not God, is the cause of evil in the world. Stop living with this warped perspective that the sovereignty of God is giving you sickness and evil and destructive forces. I've, if I said it one time, I said it a thousand times. Jesus said it with his own tongue. He said the devil comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. This hurricane is coming to kill. It, 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 hurricanes had killed in the past and it's trying to kill now. Hurricanes come to bring destruction, billions of dollars of destruction, houses floating off, boats and yachts being uh, 10 miles away from where they were destroyed, uh, lives destroyed. Let me tell you what, 
And he has come to kill. He has come to steal. He is stealing people's joy. He is stealing right now their peace. He is stealing. He is trying to get this eastern part of our country in such an uproar and in so much uh, 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 discord that, that, that he can come in with even greater destruction. Let me tell you why. So when you go, oh, God is sending the hurricane. He's sending the hurricane and uh, it's his, his judgment. I can tell you there's a lot more unrighteous regions in America that proudly say to H-E double, you know what, with God in the word, and they will boldly say it, you know, there is no God or to you know what with God. There's a lot more places that are a lot more bold in their unrighteousness that if a hurricane was coming, it would need to skip over some eastern shore and find uh, those places. So let's not go and say it's the judgment of God. You say, well, they're in the Old Testament. Well, thank God in Hebrews 8, we have a better covenant. That covenant of the Old Testament said, uh, if you violate it, there's a curse on you, and that curse will cause destruction to come. But Jesus took that curse. If you want to take the cross out of the picture and go back in the Old Testament, you go ahead and declare that. But I'm telling you, we're on this side of the cross, and we're on this side of the curse being lifted off of us, and we can say what we deserve the mercy and the grace of God is not given us it came on Jesus Christ and this storm is of the devil don't credit it to God insurance companies used to say I don't know if they still do acts of God liar it's acts of Satan it's what they should do Jesus rose up in a boat one time he came walking on the water another time and he rebuked the wind and the waves do you think if his father had sent that and he said, I've come not even to speak my own words, but speak the words of my father. I've not come to do my will, but the will of my father who sent me. Do you think he would be rebuking his father's will if his father had sent that storm? I find throughout Jesus' life, he rebuked, he rebuked Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes who he said, your father is the devil. He said, your father is the devil. So I found Jesus rebuking demons. I saw him rebuking spirits of infirmity that was causing sickness and disease in people's lives. I saw him rebuking uh, the, the man possessed with a legion of demons and they were cast into the pigs. I see him rebuking the Pharisees and the Sadducees who did not have faith to believe but was trying to destroy the, the ministry that Jesus had come to do. And Jesus called him out, said, your father is a devil. So if Jesus, everything he rebuked was the devil, then that storm was of the devil. So we got to get, that ignorance has got to go. Because if the devil makes you think God's sending it, and he's going to teach you something through it, then you're going to yield your authority. And it's good thing is you're going to say, God, teach me whatever. But I'm telling you, he's wanting to teach you before it comes. He don't want a recovery lesson. He wants an authority lesson. They will write you up in the news as crazy if you pray against a hurricane. But then they will write you up as the salvation of the East Coast when you do pray and it turns away. You don't live for the applause of man because they are as fickle as they come. Especially in the news. And some people say there's good news and bad news. I find all of it's got to spin. All of it's got to spin. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
Because if they don't put their spin on it, they're not going to get an audience. Because the majority of people, they're just uh, dribbling at the mouth. They're, they're just drooling for, for chaos and, and, and somebody's dirt, you know. Oh, man, y'all, I'm feeling mad. Oh, I'm mad at the devil. <laughs> After the historic 9-11, which here, 17 years, we've just had that. Uh, this, this past, what was it, yesterday, I was amazed in, to discover how many people attributed the terrorist attacks to God's judgment. That's God. That was God. That was the devil. The Bible tells us that Satan, not God, is the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And, and you can say it all you want. You can go and believe it with whoever you want. But I'm going to stick with God. I'm going to sp- stick with Jesus. I'm not going to live in ignorance. Jesus said the devil does it. The devil does it. He said, I've come to give you life, though, and life more abundant. He tells us there is a battle. The enemy's trying. That's why he tells us in Ephesians 6 that we've got to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the evil one because the evil one's coming against us. So don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant and think, well, this is just God and we just got to take what we get. No. And don't go out here rejoicing. Oh, we prayed and got it to go a little south, so it's going to destroy you know, North Carolina and South Carolina, and we spared. Let me tell you what, that don't sound too good coming out of a Christian's mouth either. If you had enough authority to move it a little, why don't you have enough exercise, a little more authority, and put the thing to sleep? We still got time. Jesus was actually rebuking the wind in the midst of it when it was already there. So I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I did a calculation, Townsend helped me, and we found out if a one, one man or one woman holds about three feet, uh, covers about three feet with their arms out, and the mileage of the Virginia Beach uh, oceanfront, it would take about 50,000. I said, I wish I had a way. I said, maybe we need to put this together. FEMA's putting together disaster relief and disaster response, and churches are putting together this disaster response, and, you know, uh, you know uh, Red Cross is doing that. Why don't we put together a disaster response, a pre-disaster response, in a way that we could send it out and say, we, you know, we need uh, 300 at, at 12th Street. We need 300 at 11th Street. We need, and just put it out and have everybody already ready. And they show up at their places and we just lock arms, facing the ocean. And we say, we dare you, devil, in the name of Jesus. You're not crossing this ground. You're not crossing this soil. There's authority and dominion being put back in our feet. And wherever the soles of our feet is, we're there we establish the kingdom of God. Not today. And and maybe, maybe we could wake the church up on the East Coast that when these things start coming, we'll start seeing the the, the oceans lined all the way down to the tip of Florida, up through the Gulf and all the way up to Texas and all the way back where churches say, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to do the same thing. Now, the thing is, I don't believe we have to go out there to actually do that in those numbers. But boy, would it do a a big training to get rid of some of the ignorance that people are living with and thinking every storm that comes against us is from God and they just got to suck it up and take it. And it it will transform the kingdom of God here on earth to where the people of God will be troops and they'll come rallying to their, their command post center and they'll say, I'm going to stand this ground. I'm going to put on the full armor of God and I'm going to stand against the wiles of devil. I, I, don't, don't think it may not all come to pass. I, help me out. Some engineers out there, help me out. Figure out how we can get that and deploy it and 50,000 at least. And if we get 100,000, we'll just double them up. We'll have a double line. 
And if we get 150,000, we'll just triple them up. Say one for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So one of the reasons that Christians are not operating in their authority and their power, one is because of sin. Two is because of ignorance. Let us pray right now. God, teach me your word. God, help me to take in your word. I'm giving you the seed. But let me tell you what Jesus said. The seed is the word. I'm giving you this word. But some of it can fall on hard soil. And you can think, ah, that, you just let it go. And the fowl of the air is right there. The fowl of the air sees more value in the seed than you do. And he'll come and take it from you because the devil's scared that if the word gets in you, it's going to produce fruit. And the DNA of God is going to start manifesting through your life. Some of the soils, you know, it's got rocks in it. You got to clean it up. It's got, it's got, uh, it's, it's just messy. It's just can't get the root deep. You've got this care and that care, and you're more you know, in love with the world than you are with God. And there's some thorns and thistles that's preoccupied. There's other things that are growing, need to be uprooted, but there's good soil. And that good soil, when the, when the, when the seed of God's word, the DNA, this is the DNA. When the seed of a man goes in a woman, that woman gives birth to that child and everybody says, I can't imagine, look, he looks just like his daddy. Why? Because the DNA of the daddy is in the child. Do you hear what I'm saying? Well, the DNA of God's Word is in the seed here. And if we'll get the seed in the good soil of our heart, it's going to produce that of heaven on earth. We're going to see heaven on earth. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Let's pray right now. Lord God, help us open our eyes to identify anything, anything in our, in our understanding that doesn't align up with your word. We pray for wisdom, Lord God. Lord, if there's any rocks we need to remove, show them to us. Hard places that need to be uh, cultivated, help us to go and move them out. Right now, right now, move them out. Just like we would run to go and take in our chairs and to take in our umbrella because a hurricane is coming. Let us run faster to get the rocks and the thorns and the thistles out of our heart so that your word right now as it's coming forth can penetrate into good soil. Good soil to bring forth the fruit of righteousness and your kingdom on earth. Hallelujah. Lord, show us anything, anything that is hindering the growth of your word. We're committed to take care of it. In Jesus' name. The third thing I've got down as a reason that people are not operating in the authority and the power that God has given us, and that's doubt and unbelief. That's doubt and unbelief. Let me tell you what. Doubt and unbelief will destroy you. It will cause you to have a... Talk of the word, but not a walk of the word. Romans 14, 23 reads, But the man who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he's eating, his eating is not from faith. And this was talking about meat that had been uh, served or offered to a false god before it went to the butcher's shop, and it was on discount. And had not, you know, and, and they were arguing over, Oh, you Christians, you can't be eating that meat, and Paul's addressing it. And he's like, you know, it's me. If it's a false God, here's Paul's reasoning. If it's a dumb, dead, just a piece of wood that we know it is, what's the big deal? Enjoy the discount. Enjoy the discount. But he goes on to say to them, but if you can't, if folks can't be mature enough to see it that way, it'd be better you not even eat meat than to be a stumbling block. 
He's not trying to raise up vegetarians. He's just dealing with an issue there. That's, uh, and then here's what he addresses. He says, this man who has doubts is condemned if he eats. So if he's eating, but he's doubting that God is the true God and that God, had, he prayed over this meat and God said, if you pray over it and give thanks, he would sanctify it. So they're doubting whether or not God can sanctify it. He says, this man is not eating from faith. And then look at what Paul says. Everything that does not come from faith is what? Oh, don't say it like that. Say it like God would say it if he was here. He would say, if it doesn't come from faith, it's sin. It's sin. Sounds like faith is an important thing to God. Sounds like God's not backing off. He can say, you can go and worship me in my name with music that sounds uh, very pretty and you can do all the stuff you do. But if you're doing it through doubt and not even believing, maybe God is not hearing me. Maybe God is not even real. He said, that's sin. You got to do it in faith. Hebrews 3 and 12 calls unbelief sinful. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. I'm telling you what, we've got to deal with doubt and unbelief. We've got to deal with it. Unbelief is so serious that Jesus could not do mighty miracles in his hometown because of their lack of faith, because they, they didn't believe. Here's Jesus. Jesus could not do but a few, just a few healings to those probably around the corner. Let me tell you what, we've got to deal with the doubt and unbelief. We can measure the level of our, our belief or our unbelief by asking ourselves, do we really believe that Jesus defeated the enemy? Ask yourself that. Do I really believe that Jesus defeated the enemy? That the prophet said he took my pain. He took the curse. He took the judgment. He took the sickness. He took the disease, that by his stripes, I mean, he took all of that, the government the, of everything that was broken, he took upon himself so that he could re render us the other side of it. Rather than judgment, we could be forgiven and we could have the mercy of God. And rather than sickness and disease by his stripes, we could be healed. And rather than poverty, that we could have more than enough. And rather than uh, sadness and sorrow, we could have the joy of the Lord. And rather than brokenness in every relationship and every area of, our, every area of life, we could have his shalom, his peace, nothing broken, nothing missing. He, you either believe it or not. You ask yourself, do I really believe that Jesus defeated the enemy? And if we don't, we're unlikely to see results that we desire when we lay hands on the sick, when we rebuke a storm, when we rebuke a, a, an attack of the enemy in our life. We'll do it because we think, what, what can it hurt? You got nine seconds of my time for me to say, in the name of Jesus, how am I supposed to say it? In the name of Jesus, I rebuke rebuke you wind and waves or am I supposed to say waves and wind but I rebuke you know I'll give you nine seconds what's it gonna hurt well let me tell you what Jesus said if it's not done in faith rather than it not only not working it is sin and sin as we dealt with in the first one opens the door for the authority of the demons of hell and Satan to come into our life so now we wonder why there's more authority of Satan in our life operating than there's authority of heaven. Wow. Doubt and unbelief have to be dealt with. I like that father who said, yes, I believe, but help my unbelief. 
Lord, if there's any area in me that's got any wavering, I want you to help me. And guess what? You think God's going to be mad at a prayer like that? Where you're saying, God, I don't want any unbelief. I want you to help me get it all out. I want you to help me get it all out. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Let me tell you what, we are to live by faith and walk by faith and not by sight. You've got to walk into that which you do not see because God said it rather than you see it. And when God said it and by faith, the day will come where you won't need faith in that area anymore because you'll see it. But once you see it, you don't need faith anymore. Is there anything in your life that you're not seeing right now but that you need uh, the God to intervene in? Let me tell you what, it may have been been that way your whole life do you think your whole life even if it was a hundred years is not even a pimple compared to how big God is and his timeline is come on now so it doesn't matter if it's something you struggle with your whole life you need to stop seeing how big it is and see how big God is uh, and you need to say wait a minute I'm not going to let the tenure of this thing uh, uh, cause me to doubt and have unbelief anymore no I believe that Jesus defeated Satan I to believe that Jesus gave a covenant for me that is better than any covenant anyone has ever had and the blood of Jesus seals that covenant and I'm in covenant with God and my God is a victorious God. My God says you'll be the head and not the tail. You'll be above only and not beneath. How could he say that? Because there's nothing threatens him. There's nothing going to cause him to fall off of his throne. There's nothing going to bankrupt him. There's nothing going to take him by surprise so he can make a declaration like that that in my covenant I will make you the head and you will not be the tail you'll be above only and not beneath and you'll be blessed coming in and blessed going out he said I don't care if it's the countryside I can handle it there I don't care if it's the big metro city I can handle it there if where you're standing or sitting your position means nothing to my power do you believe that Jesus has defeated the enemy and given us the authority to continue the victory? I mean, it was a marathon. And he did 99.9% .9 of the race. And when he ascended unto heaven, he said, I'm going, to hand you the marathon, I'm going to hand you the baton because there's a little more called a church age where I want my kingdom to expand. I want souls. I want souls. So what you've seen me do, I want you to go and do it. You saw me open the blinded eyes. Go open the blinded eyes. You saw me lay hands on the sick and they recovered. I want you to go lay hands on the sick. They recover. You saw me cast out devils. Go cast out devils. You saw me raise people from the dead. You can raise people from the dead. I'll tell you what. This... This call that I'm giving you is going to be backed up with so much power that my spirit will be in all of you so you'll even do greater things than I did. So here I've run 99.9% .9 of the marathon, but I'm giving you the church. I'm going to be a part of it. I'm giving you my spirit. I'll build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And if the devil sends a hurricane, it will not prevail against it. If he sends sickness against your body, it will not prevail against it. Because I'm a part of building. We're finishing the race and we're going to finish well. But I want you to be men and women of faith and believe. Believe who I am, whose you are, 
and what I have given to you in my name. He said that demons of hell will come like wolves or hyenas at you, but in my name you'll put a stop to them and you'll cast them in the dry places. He said, I've given you my blood. I've given you my word. I've given you my name. And I've given you my spirit. He said, there is nothing, nothing that will ever come against you that hasn't already been conquered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. We got to believe it. We got to believe it. Well, you prayed one time, pastor, and it didn't happen. That means I'm going to pray tomorrow. Because I believe in what God says more than my experiences. And if I've got a learning level, I'm going to keep learning. I'm going to be a good student. I'm going to keep studying. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep speaking in tongues. Praying in the Spirit. I'm going to keep singing in the Spirit. Don't you get in my way. If you've got any scent of the devil on you, don't you get in my way. I'll run you right over. Because I'm done with the devil. I'm done with the devil. We are here to advance the kingdom of God. We shouldn't be con conversing. We shouldn't be trying to sit down around the table of negotiations. I like what Churchill said. We will not surrender. And we will not negotiate with a madman. He is a liar. And if we negotiate with him, our island will sit here safe for but a year. But then he will come in with even greater weapons of all the other countries that he's conquered. And he will destroy us. We will not sit at the negotiation tables with a devil. Here's a man in the physical that is showing us how we are to be a general in the spirit we are not in negotiating with the devil we're not allowing not one foothold not one thing that he brought into our life to go uncontested so doubt and unbelief fourth thing I have here and we're only got five so we're, we're about there it's fear fear now y'all you know the word as well as I do and Paul tells us through the Holy Spirit in 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 8 that God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if there's a spirit of fear in you right now, you need to rebuke it. You need to rebuke it. It is, it is an evil spirit. Let me tell you, if there's fear in you right now, oh, but I'm just worried. You can call it whatever you want. If it's robbing you of your peace, any edge of your peace, it is fear, it is a spirit, and it is not of God. You need to rebuke it. It is a spirit of hell. Fear paralyzes us. And it keeps us from exercising the authority that we have in Christ to bring forth the manifest of God's kingdom power here on earth. It will paralyze you. 1 John 5 and 18 teaches us that we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. Do you see that? That if you're born of God, the desire to honor God comes with the new birth. So now you're, you're, if you discover something sin, you're getting rid of it rather than embracing it. If you discover something dishonors God, rather than trying to hide it and do it in the background, you bring it out and expose it and say, this thing's got to go. This thing's got to go. We don't put up with it. 
And he says, when you live like that, you've closed the door to the authority of the enemy and the enemy can't touch you. Luke 10, 19 is another scripture that says, Behold, I give you the authority, Jesus said, to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. I've given you the authority to trample over all the power. I've given you the authority to trample over how much of it? All the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. We need to get this knowledge so that we say, wait a minute, if something starts hurting me, I've got to go in here and I've got to say, wait a minute, this is not supposed to be. See, if you think it's normal, you'll put up with it. And the church is putting up with too much of the devil's junk. The, the church is putting up with too much of the devil's pain. The church is putting up with too much of the devil's uh, uh, loss, the lack in our lives that he's brought. And we just think it's normal. But when you know the truth, and the truth says, you're trampling underfoot. Amen. You're trampling underfoot. And he's, he's drawing a picture so you can see what they're like. They're like serpents. They're like scorpions. These demons. And the devil is under your feet. And you shall exercise your authority over all of his power. So if the devil's power is behind this hurricane, that means we have the authority over all the power. Do you see what I'm saying? You say, Pastor, it's bold to say something like that. I'm telling you, get us praying and this thing, come on in here and, and do its damage and you're going to be looking like a fool. If, I, if standing with the Word of God is going to make me look like a fool, then you can go ahead and redefine the definition of a fool and say, there's one standing with the Word of God. See, I'm going to stand with the Word of God and, and when it doesn't work, that don't mean I'm going to uh, uh, find fault with God. I'm going to look at where I missed it. Where did I miss it here? It, you know, and I'm going to work on me. I'm going to work on me because I know... I am still in a fallible uh, state of being, but I am serving an infallible God who is, who is righteous, who is perfect. He's not a man that he can lie, so I don't need to put a spin on it other than I'm missing something, but I'm not going to uh, accuse God of missing something because I'm, he says what he says. And he tells me, I don't have the right to take away one jot or tittle, not one. I don't have that right. Some people I've, in experiences, suffered the backlash from the enemy when they engaged in spiritual warfare. Like the seven sons of Sceva. The demons beat their butts and stripped them naked and humiliated them. And they're like, I ain't doing that no more. Uh-uh. If I was one of those seven sons of Sceva, they're, they're seven preacher's kids. And they said, we watched Daddy do it, and somehow or another we did it just like Daddy did it, but it didn't work for us. I wouldn't go turn on God. I'd go to daddy and say, daddy, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. I've learned from a distance as I've been playing around. But I tell you, teach me your ways. Here's some ways to guard against this backlash. Now, this is important. This is so important. Be filled. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. And that be filled is a verb tense that means keep being filled. Away with this that we've stood in line and got a stamp on our forehead. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit on our forehead. And now, for some reason or another, we think that we're better than everybody else and we got more power than everybody else because 10, 12, 15 years ago, we had our experience. Read the Word for what the Word says. Be filled. Be continually filled. You need the Holy Ghost. You don't need a certificate 
that you had a you had a Holy Ghost encounter. You need the Holy Ghost in your daily life because the devil comes against your daily life. And that's where you need the power of heaven. Amen. And the same verb tense, be edified, be edified. That, that word I shared with you just recently, be built strong, like a contractor building up a house from the foundation, rebuilding it. It's like uh, someone going to the gym and working out and their muscles developing or, or you're taking a battery like in your phone and recharging it. That's what edified means. And he says we are edified by praying and singing in the spirit. You say, oh, I thought all this tongue stuff was nonsense. Well, we're dealing with that ignorance. It's in the Word of God. There's some people say, well, I'm afraid of those pages. You're afraid of the very power source to help you fight the devil? I mean, you, you're scared of a Holy Spirit and opt for letting an evil spirit do to you what he wants? Now, that's ignorance to a whole nother level. I could say something there. That's ignorance to a whole nother level. And you say, well, it's just not my denominational theology. Well, then you're in the wrong denomination. Well, that's just not how I was taught. You were taught wrong. If it don't line up with the Word of God, then it's wrong. And Paul says, I pray in the Spirit more than all of you. He's like, I'm out here on the front lines. The front lines as a general advancing the kingdom of God. I know I better be praying in the Spirit and singing the Spirit more than all of you, but I pray that all of you would. So we're not only being filled with the Spirit constantly, we're praying in the Spirit, we're singing in the Spirit. You need to be led by the Spirit. You say, well, I'm not letting the devil lead me. I'm not letting the evil spirit lead me, but you got a spirit too. And your spirit needs to stay submitted to the Holy Spirit. Because your spirit, if you're not careful, will let the flesh lead you, which leads to destruction. You got to be let the Holy Spirit lead you. So you got to be led by the Spirit, thus walk in the Spirit so that you can experience kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. And after taking these steps, we confront the darkness because we have the authority to do so. We don't just let, we don't just stand by and let, say, a 20-year-old bully beat up a a 90-year-old lady that walked out of the grocery store. And she came out of the grocery store with her little bag, and she's so proud. She's still buying her own groceries, still driving her own car. She took three parking spaces to park it, but that's okay. And and, uh, and here, a 20-year-old thug comes out there and tries to steal her purse and you're standing right there. Are you just going to allow that? Are you just going to allow that? My wife is just a prissy little girl. Let me tell you, she's just a princess from Romania. But she would jump on that thug. I'm telling you what, from behind and she would choke him out and his tongue would be hanging to the side and his eyes would be rolled up in his head. I know her. She'd be like, no, you ain't messing with Mama Sue. Or, I shouldn't say Mama Sue because we got a Mama Sue. You ain't messing with Sister Betty. Oh, we got a Sister Betty. I better leave the names out of here. Because none of you are 95. <laughs> we need not be afraid of obeying God's directives, even if it requires engaging in strategic warfare. Luke 12, 32, you got it right up here. It gives us wise counsel. Do not be afraid little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So when you'll engage against whatever warfare the enemy's coming, you're going to see the kingdom of God come. 
God just says, I just needed a representative. I just needed an ambassador. I just needed somebody to show up with faith so I could do heaven stuff on earth through you. Hallelujah. And then finally, we have here uh, prayerlessness. Prayerlessness. My, my, my. We think about prayer. We read books about prayer. We send out memes about prayer. We, we talk about prayer. But we just don't pray. But we're fixing to pray. We're fixing to pray. Luke 18 and 1 establishes the importance of prayer. says, then Jesus told his disciples this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. The parable of the persistent widow who came to the unrighteous judge and says, I need help, I need help, I need help, I need help. And it got to 3, 4 in the morning. He says, if I'm going to get any sleep, even though I have no care about this woman at all, I'm going to give her what she needs. And Jesus says that he told his disciples this parable so that he would, they would see the importance that we should always pray and not give up. Meaning, sometimes when we pray, things aren't going to look like they change. But don't give up. I've prayed before against storms, whether a physical storm or another type of storm in my life, and the wind got head, blew me back. And it tried to put fear in me. But I got up, got me a better stance. And I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying. And if I had to hold on to a tree, I hold on to a tree. I said, I ain't going nowhere. And if my feet's flag, uh, waving like flag in the air, I'm not letting go. Because I know, I know that if I don't give up, that God's going to come through. We got to believe Him. I know. You people say, Pastor, I don't know why you're so blessed. It's because I'm a bulldog when it comes to this kind of stuff. And why am I a bulldog with that kind of tenacity? Because I know my God's going to come through. I know it. He always has and He always will. And it's not because I'm that good. It's because He's that good. But He loves faith. There's no way to please Him without faith. He loves faith. Hallelujah. Ephesians 6, 8 elaborates on this point and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. Keep on praying. Keep on praying for all the saints. Stories told of a pastor's wife was out jogging one day and she saw a man dressed in white standing in a field. This pastor's wife had been going through some difficult trials things were just she couldn't talk to anybody about it it was just really really a hard time but when she saw this man whom she said she recognized looked like Jesus and she said she stopped and he said to her don't you know who I am she said yes I believe you're Jesus he says don't you know who you are she said yes I'm Karen he said do you know who you are so she began to weep. He says, when you know this, it's not really as hard as you think. It's not really as hard as you think. When you know who Jesus is. Come on now. And you know who you are in him because of whose you are. I don't care what's coming against you. It's really not that hard as you think. There's a lesson here. You've got to know who you are. You've got to know the authority that you have. This authority that Jesus Christ has given you, I'm telling you, you and when you do, then having faith's not going to be difficult. And when you have this kind of faith, it'll begin to release a spiritual authority necessary to perform signs and wonders and miracles. Hallelujah. Mark 4, 34, Then Jesus arose and he rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, 
peace. Be still. Jesus arose. We're going to do just what Jesus did. In just a few seconds, we're going to rise up. But not only in our physical demeanor. We're going to rise up in faith. And we're going to rebuke the wind as he did. Getting up is a position of authority. You've got to rise up in your authority that he has given you. And then he rebuked this wind. And that word rebuke means he spoke sharp words. He didn't mince words. He didn't let that wind figure, is, is he talking to me? Is he, you talking to me? Yes! Talking to you. He spoke sharp words. And the wind and the waves were made still. He said, peace be still, and guess what manifested? The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now there's more than a Hurricane Florence coming towards our land. There are other storms coming against your life. I don't know if it's in sickness. I don't know if it's in lack. I don't know if it's in relationships. I don't know in what area it is. I know how the devil works. And he's bringing storms against you. But let's do what Jesus did. Let us rise up, position of authority, and let us speak sharp and rebuke the winds and the waves. It's that simple. You say, well, then we got to do a Jericho march. He didn't say that. He didn't do that. You got some walls that need to come down? Go do a Jericho march. But the storm, he spoke sharp words to it. He called it by name. When? Stop. Cease. Waves. Be still. And they were amazed. You'd be amazed too. But we shouldn't be amazed. It's what we should expect. We shouldn't be amazed and go around texting and don't do this. Don't do this. When this wind and this waves all calm down, don't you go, I did this. I did it. I prayed. Hallelujah. Uh-uh. Humble yourself before the Lord. Be the warrior that, that gains the victory but doesn't need the praise. Because really and truly all the praise should go to Jesus. Because without him, we ain't nothing. Right? Right. So let's, we, we, we repented. We stopped in the sermon. We repented. Right? We dealt with the ignorance. We prayed God would help us to see if there's something that we need to know and teach us. Doubt and unbelief. We pray. We rebuke the doubt and unbelief. Fear. We, we, we take hold of the of fear and we cast it out in Jesus' name. It is not a spirit of God. Now, prayerlessness. That's one of the reasons. But we're going to pray. Every one of these we are reversing. We're going to pray. And we're going to do it how Jesus did. He got up, position of authority. And he spoke sharply. So if you get up here talking like, well, I'm just from a, a background that just, just, no. I guarantee if a, if, a, if a real enemy was here and all you had to do was yell at him and that would give, that would give you safety from him, I guarantee you some of you would find voice you hadn't used in a long time. We were building our house, and I heard, ah, ah. 
And I was like, what in the world? And I go looking around the corner, and here's a little red-headed boy running. He's probably about eight or nine. And the dog had knocked him off of his bicycle and was running after him like a rabid dog. I'd never seen anything like this. And I tell you what, I rose up. I took my place of authority. And I spoke sharply. And I stepped between the little red-headed boy as he went by. And I stood right in front of that dog, and he was at full trot. And you, did you know the dog I'm talking That dog was crazy. He's crazy. But let me tell you what I said. Stop in the name of Jesus. And that dog's head went under his feet, and he did a flip around like that and cried like a, a beaten puppy as he went running home. And that dog never, when that, that guy would walk that dog, that dog was like, he's running out to everybody. He ran out there, he was running out to everybody. But he'd come in front of our house, he dragged the man to the other side of the road. He wouldn't even walk across the front of our house. I'm looking at everything the devil's bringing like that dog. And I said, it's time to stop. You think you're a bully? I'll show you a bigger bully as I pull on my authority from heaven and I bring heaven to earth and put you in your place. That's how we need to pray. So we're going to ask whoever will. If you don't believe, don't. No doubt and unbelief up here. I want us to get up here. And I want us, do you have, did you have a picture of the hurricane? Okay, well, let, if we don't have a picture of a hurricane, that's good because this is east. This is where it's coming from, right? And let's pray this way. So I just stand across here, just like we do on the ocean front. If, I, if we were on the ocean front, let's just stand across from here and lock arms. Let's lock arms. Let's build a wall. Let's build a wall against what the devil's trying to do. Hallelujah. A wall of faith. A wall of faith. Men and women of authority. Lock arms. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. And what I want us to do is just lock all the way. All the way to the cross on this side. And all the way to the flags on that side. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now we're going to get built up. Let's build ourselves up in our most holy faith. I want us to pray in the Spirit. I want us to pray in the Spirit. I want us to pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah. How am I telling you? Pray in the Spirit. Could you give me a little more volume, Townsend? A little more volume there. Yes, let's get this uh, atmosphere going. Yes, praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pray in the Spirit. Before we exercise our authority, let's be full. Let's be full. Come on. Some of you need to just uh, release the Spirit right now. You've been holding the Spirit back. You've been quenching the Spirit. Don't quench Him anymore. Go ahead. Pray in the Spirit. He'll give you the syllable. He'll give you the utterance. Come on, let that let that faith arise. Let that faith arise. Come on, let that faith arise. You are the sons of God. You're the daughters of God. 
You are mighty. You are mighty. You're ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. God wants to do a miracle through you. God wants to do a miracle through you right now. He wants His power to flow through you right now. Let the sons and daughters of God rise up. Let the sons and daughters rise up in the name of Jesus. Mighty warriors, mighty warriors of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now whatever storm is coming against you, Whatever storm is coming against you, I want you to begin to speak sharp words against it. Rebuke it. Rebuke it. Rebuke it. Whatever waves are crashing in on you, rebuke them right now. Rebuke them in the name of Jesus. Speak sharp words against them in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you, Hurricane Florence. I rebuke you in the name that is above every name. I rebuke you by the authority of Jesus Christ. Winds be still. Waves cease in the name of Jesus. We issue a cease and desist order in the name of Jesus. Let the authority of heaven be manifest against these winds. Maybe there's a storm of sickness coming into your life. Rebuke that sickness. Rebuke that spirit of infirmity. Rebuke that disease. Rebuke that weakness. Rebuke it now in the name of Jesus. It may tell you it has a right to come into you because of a generational thing. You say, I've got a new bloodline. I broke off that generational curse. I got the bloodline of Jesus. And you have no right. You have no welcome in my body, in my life, in the name of Jesus. Rebuke that spirit of infirmity. Speak against it. Speak against it. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe there's a spirit of poverty and lack that has been on your life uh, trying to hold you back, trying to hold you down. Uh, you rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus. You rebuke it now by the power and the authority that God has given to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Rebuke it now. There may be a spirit of confusion. There may be a spirit of, of relational chaos. There may be a spirit of destruction there may be a spirit that is trying to rob your children or your grandchildren you gotta take authority take authority rebuke those spirits rebuke those storms rebuke them in the name of Jesus hallelujah 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 now a true sign of faith a true sign of faith is when you do what God said do, even before you see it manifest, you so believe it, you begin to thank Him. Thanksgiving is the sign of faith. So if you believe what you have rebuked has been rebuked 
and the authority that you have has been exercised. Now it's time to start thanking Him. You need to start thanking Him. Thank Him for the victory. Thank Him for the blessing. Thank Him for the healing. Thank Him for the winds that died down. Thank Him for the waves that laid calm. Thank Him for this disease that you no longer have to contend with. Thank Him that the resources will be more than enough. Thank Him that your sons and your daughters are going to serve the Lord. Your grandsons and your granddaughters are going to serve the Lord. Thank Him. If you have faith and you truly believe, you want to thank Him. You're going to thank Him that Virginia and North Carolina and South Carolina and maybe even Georgia has been spared. They've been spared. Thank Him. Thank Him. Thank Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank You. We thank You, Lord. Oh, You're so good. You're so good. Hallelujah. You're so good. Hallelujah. 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 Woo! 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 Yes. 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 And before before you seated, turn to somebody to your right and left and say, will you continue believing with me? Will you continue standing with me? Yes, yes. That agreement of two or more, that agreement of two or more, that agreement of two or more right now, will you agree with me? Hallelujah.